right, well, hey, Merry Christmas. Does that, does that feel funny? Is it too, is it too soon? <laughs> I, uh, I, I guess uh, we can officially start the season. Uh, at our house, one of the things, I don't know if it's like this for you, it feels like people are putting out decorations earlier than normal this year for some reason to me. I don't know if that, anybody else has noticed that. But, um, but one of the things for us is like, it's like this challenge to see if we can get the Christmas tree up before everybody goes back to school. And it's like this thing. I, if, we, if we get that done, then evidently we've got our things together. And if we don't, we don't. It's like this is the marker. And about half the time... Uh, you know, we, we get the tree up before then, but the other half we don't. And I guess then we feel bad about ourselves because we're always catching up the rest of December. But this year we did it. And so the tree is up. There's no ornaments on it, but the tree is up. Some decorations are up. And, um, yeah, Darcy is not going to let that go very long. So we'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll do that soon. But, um, but this morning as I was going over my notes and thinking about things, you know, those lights were on. And, uh, man, it really is something when those, when the Christmas tree's up and the lights, uh, we put a whole lot of lights on the tree and that it just lights up the whole living room. And, um, the other thing that we always set up, which is kind of unique to our family, we've got a piece of furniture that not just one of those nutcracker dolls, we've got over 20 of them. They're just, they cover it. Little ones, big ones, fat ones, skinny ones, all different colors. And that is because back in the day, one of our first dates, Terry and I's first dates, I took her to the ballet to see the Nutcracker. And, the fir- and that present that year for Christmas was this, this little Nutcracker doll that uh, he's a little golfer because uh, I, I played golf in high school. And, um, and I gave her that. And if you walked into our house and you looked at those Nutcracker dolls, You'd be like, oh, these people like, it's kind of weird. <laughs> they really like nutcrackers. Not, not knowing the story, you would just look at it and t- try to figure out, like, what's going on. And there's a bunch of them. And this is the one, you know, some of them are kind of scary. They got, like, teeth and, you know. But, but the, the golfer guy, he's not. He's just kind of, he's, you know, a, a color that doesn't stick out. He's got a beard. He doesn't really have the crazy teeth or crazy eyes. He just, he kind of blends into the, but he's always out in the front you know, he's got the, the main spot where, where you should see and you should take notice, but he could just get lost in all of the craziness of the lights and the other ones. Uh, the reason I tell you that, today we're going to talk about peace, and I just feel like, I was looking at that this morning, and I was thinking about how it feels like that's, that's kind of what we do with, with peace, that um, there's a lot of voices and a lot of things screaming that peace is found here and peace is found there and, and peace is possible only if this. And all along, Jesus has promised us peace. But in the craziness of all of it, even during, during Christmas time, maybe especially during Christmas time, even at church, there's a lot of things that, that get the attention away from what's prominent right in the center And what we're going to look at this morning in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, it calls Jesus the Prince of Peace. And and so we're going to look at it. We are, this series, we're actually going to walk through here. I'll just read it for you. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, this uh, this prophecy about, about Jesus. For unto us a child is born, probably familiar to you. Unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince 
of peace. Now, if we were a normal church, <laughs> uh, we would probably take this in order because we're going to take each one of these names, but we're not. And Charlie said, hey, you, you get to pick one. And so I picked the last one. So just, just deal with it. I doubt we even go in any kind of order here. Maybe, maybe he will come back and go, maybe you should go backwards. Anyway, uh, I chose Prince of Peace because this word and idea of peace has just always seemed uh, elusive to me personally. Um, I mean, that the idea of peace on earth, um, so not just personally, but in relationships in the world, it, it just seems like the idea of peace just always seems a, a bit out of, out of reach. And um, so really, most of my life, especially my life in, in faith and, and trying to follow Jesus, this is a big question for me. He, he promises peace. What does it look like to actually have it? And, um, and so I, I chose it for that reason and wanted to study it a little bit more deeply. And when you look at this verse, he, it calls him the prince of peace. Which one question that came up for me that I never have really asked before when I've seen this verse, or we just, you know, when we sing about it, is... Did they, when they took it from the Hebrew to the English, when they did the translation, did they, uh, did they just do Prince of Peace because that sounded cool? Because, you know, it rhymes and kind of sounds like it. Does it. Did they just do that on purpose or was it really Prince? And it's interesting in the Hebrew, it's actually Prince is Sar Shalom. So it even rhymes in the Hebrew. I don't know if that really rhymes in Hebrew. Right? But anyway, Sar Shalom, Sar Prince, ruler. Jesus is the the ruler, the one who has dominion over peace. He is the place that peace is found. You can't go somewhere else and find it. Jesus is the Sar Shalom, the Prince of Peace. Now, have you ever found yourself in a place maybe where the, the rules are different and it's governed by some kind of different authority and it's, it's just you get there and you find out, oh, this place isn't like the place that I'm from. This is, this is a different place and there's different rules and there's a different ruler. Um, <laughs> if you were in high school uh, in 1994, uh, you probably remember this guy, Michael Fay, who went to Singapore and he vandalized some cars and he got caned. Anybody? Yeah, really? I hear your voice. Uh, they actually, the U.S. government tried to make it where he wouldn't get quite as many. He was supposed to get six hits with the cane, but they got it down to four. And there was this big question mark. Will they set him free or will he actually pay the Singapore crime or the Singapore payment for his crimes? And he did. Well, a few years later, I uh, made a trip to Singapore. And as a lot of us do, you know, when the plane's coming in, I, I'll chew some gum just to help my ears from popping. And I got off the plane and walking through the airport, and guess what I found out? Chewing gum is illegal also in Singapore. And so, so I'm chewing the gum, and I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, oh, man, I'm walking through the airport. I'm chewing gum. There's signs. And I just, I'm fresh on my mind is Michael Fay getting caned. I'm like, man, anybody walking around with sticks? How am I going to get rid of this chewing gum? I haven't going to throw it away. But I was in a different place. I was in a different place with a different rule and authority. And that rule of authority had a different set of things that were illegal that they didn't like. Jesus is the prince, the ruler over peace. That is his place. And he calls what it looks like. And he calls the shots. 
And so all these other things that we go and all the other places that we go chase it, it can only be found there. It's kind of like mango sticky rice. Has any, have y'all heard me talk about If you've ever had mango sticky rice, then you just don't know. There is this thing they have in Thailand, and it is, it is the, the, the best mango. If you've ever had fresh mango, like the good stuff, it's, just, it's so sweet. And then they have this rice with it that's sticky rice. And then you also there's this, this gravy. Uh, gravy is a bad word. It's sweet uh, icing is more of the thing we talk about that you pour over the top of it. Sauce. Sauce but much better word. Uh, and it is it's insane good. You can go down to a Thai restaurant around the corner and you can get it, but it's not going to be the same thing. Why? Because they don't have fresh mango. Sticky rice might be all right, but the mango is not there. The only place you can get authentic, real good mango sticky rice is if you jump on a plane right now and you go to Bangkok. That's it. That's, that's, that's what you're going to have to do. In fact, we used to go there often, and Terry, when we were there, we'd be there, you know, four or five days. She would make herself sick on mango sticky rice. We would hit it when we hit the airport. We'd get the first helping. Then we'd get one in the morning, noon, night. And on the last thing as we're walking onto the plane, we got some to take with us. And she would literally be hurting at her stomach because she'd had somebody the acid from the mango, all the things. But we're going to eat this mango sticky rice because you can't get it anywhere else. You have to go to Thailand. You can't get peace anywhere else but Jesus. That's his. He is the prince. In fact, another thing from, from that. You can go. Down the street, you can go to Lewis and Clark and get you a Patagonia shirt, right? But you can't get a Patagonia shirt like this. This is what you get from a street vendor in Thailand. Now, this is an extra large. When I got home, I realized it's also a half shirt. <laughs> you can't get a Patagonia, an extra large Patagonia shirt that will show off your belly button unless you go to a street vendor in Thailand. Have I made my point? Jesus is the Prince of Peace, and it is... It is his. And so if you want peace, that's the place that you're going to have to go. So let's dive into this a little bit deeper. If we move ahead in Isaiah, there's some other things in chapter 26 that we learn about peace. Isaiah 26, 3 and 4. Which this is just one of those. If you don't have it memorized, you probably should because it's just powerful. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. Do you catch that? The person who's in peace, perfect peace, it's because his, his mind, her mind, is stayed, is focused on Jesus. He trusts in Jesus. That, that mind being stayed, that means he's placed his trust there and the reason that peace is found there is because of the second part of the verse. Trust in the Lord forever because <laughs> the Lord God is an everlasting rock. That trust is placed in something that's trustworthy. That, that anchor holds. That weathers the storm. So you place trust there. Your mind is, is stayed on him, the one that's worthy of the trust. And guess what you have? You, you've got peace. And this is really interesting to me because um, it, through some, you know, through the time of trying to figure out, I mean, what does peace look like? I've heard a lot of people give answers. Uh, even recently, I had somebody uh, recommend a, a book to me that I've been reading, well, listening to the author read to me. Uh, and, um, and this guy's trying to, to teach about and trying to encourage people towards meditation. And so... 
Um, he's talking about his journey, and he's talking about what it looks like to, to steal your mind. And uh, I love it because he, he's real honest about it, and, he's, and he talks about how it's really difficult to, to take your, these, these Buddhist thoughts about clearing my mind out and impressing all those things away and how difficult it is because all these other things will jump back in and try to, the thing I got to do tomorrow, the thing that's happening over here, the thing I'm worried about, it's really hard to press all those things out. And the idea is, you know, if, if we can do that and find that place of stillness, that, that peace is, is possible there. Um, the thing is, if you follow that all the way to the end, so we're going uh, to clear our mind out, what do you have? Well, you have my friend who I, I met in Delhi, uh, India, who his, his father did that. He did it his, his whole childhood. He did it to the point that he sat in the corner and was just a statue, just a mannequin in the corner, catatonic. Totally, he had pressed his mind to the place that he would go to another. He didn't even know his dad. He never had a conversation with his dad because his dad lived in nothingness land. Um, this doesn't, it's not pressing everything out of our mind. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on <laughs> the one who is trustworthy. The focus of the attention is on the one that is the everlasting rock. All right, uh, bear with me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell the story here for a minute that, uh, that I hope makes this point even better. Um, also, uh, and it's a story I've told before, so if, uh, it's, I think six years ago I told it, so um, you may remember. But anyway, uh, so Terry and I are the family. We, uh, we moved overseas, and we moved uh, in India to a house where there was a guy that lived on the bottom floor, and his son, normally the son would live on the second floor when he took a wife, but his son moved to the U.S., and so they had a second floor that we moved into. And uh, this guy that lived below us, his name was Vinod, and Vinod was, he was retired, uh, and he, in that time of his life, he had made this decision to really seek out spirituality, really to seek out peace. And he had decided that the place that this peace was found was in this, this quietness, and the focus of his worship was on the river that was just down the road, the Ganges. Um, and he believed that salvation was there, and also in the, the God of the river, Shiva, uh, the deity that he worshiped. And so each morning he would get up, he would jump on his scooter, he would drive down the road, and he would, he would go to the river, he would bathe in it, he would drink from it, he would worship it. Then he would come back uh, on the top of our house. He, uh, he had built this little mud hut temple that had a, an idol of Shiva, and he would, he would go there and he would meditate and give worship to the idol. Every once in a while, about once a month, he would go to a city that was an uh, uh, hour, an hour and a half away called Varanasi, and that was the home of Shiva. And so he would go there and give worship in the, the Shiva temple there. And so, you know, I, would, I was always asking questions and trying to learn and talk to, to Vinod about all of this. And, and I said, man, if you are ever making that trip to Varanasi, uh, I would love to go with you. And one day... I'm walking back from the market, and there he is. He's getting on the scooter. He's got his, his bag, and I'm like, man, are you, are you going? He's like, yeah, and if you want to come with me, you can, but I'm leaving in 10 minutes, so if you're coming, you better, you better pack a bag quick. So I go upstairs, and uh, this is one of the things I love about my wife. I walk in, and I'm like, man, he said he's going, and I could go with him, but I'm not going to leave you guys. And she goes, are you crazy? 
So it came 8,000 miles, and you're not going to go the last, <laughs> last 60? I guess you're right. So I, I packed my bag real quick, jumped on the back of the scooter, and here we are off to Varanasi. On the way, he says, hey, when we get there, we're going to have to go to this one lassi wala. All right? So uh, a lassi is like a smoothie drink that's got, uh, you know, yogurt and things, and you mix fruit in with it. And uh, lassi, a wala is just the guy that sells it. So we went to this one little store. Uh, where we were going to get this, this lassi that we're supposed to have because this, this is not just any night. It's called, sh- this festival is called Shivaratri. So we're in the city of Shiva, and this is the night that, that worship to Shiva is focused. So he said, man, on Shivaratri, we have to go to this, this one place. So we walk in, and it is crazy crowded. I mean, there are people everywhere. And I noticed there's actually a lot of people from, like, Europe and, and America, and uh, we, that, they're like the bulk of the people in the room. And I'm well, what's going on here? And then, I mean, I've been to a lot of places and had these lossies. It's never crowded like this. He says, have a seat. I'm going to go get it. And he goes and gets it and brings it back to me. And uh, it's in these really cool clay uh, cups. And, um, and it's green. It's like a light color green. His is actually a darker color green than mine. And so we start to drink it. And I said, you know, I've, I've had a lot of lassies. I've had mango lassie, and they're orange. <laughs> I've had banana lassie, and they're yellow. I've never had a green lassie. What, what's in this? Vino says, it's a herb. Herb. He says, it's a herb. I said, really? What, what herb? Well, and he starts trying to explain it, and he's using all different kinds of terms and things, and I'm not really sure what he's talking about, and I'm looking around the room, and everybody's got, I mean, they're, they're just going back and forth up to the front and getting these uh, green uh, herb lassies. So finally, we leave out, and I'm like, man, you really got to tell me. I'm just really curious now. What, what was in that? And he says, bong. And I realized that it was a cannabis lassie. And so then all of a sudden, I started to go, oh, that's what that, that's what that was, that's what that was. And then he says, yes, because on Shivratri, the night of Shiva, Shiva loves bong. <laughs> so then I realized, oh, that's what's happening here. So then, y'all, like, he's on the scooter, and we're going down through the old part of this city, ancient city, and he pops out on this road. And no, no joke, I mean, he turns this way. And all of a sudden, I look up, and there are thousands of men uh, in no clo- with no clothing, painted red, running at us. And he just goes through the middle of them and goes, doo, doo, doo. And I'm just hanging on the back of the scooter thinking, what in the world have I gotten myself into? Uh, that's one of the things they do. They go to the Shiva temple. They uh, take off their clothes, paint themselves red, and run all the way around the city. That's one of the big things. There's all kinds of things like this going on. There's also this this music, classical music festival that's happening out by the river. And that's where the night kind of ended. And uh, we get there. It's like two and a half hours of a guy, like, just um, getting his drum ready to play. And then they start. It's a sitar. It makes you just want to go to sleep. In fact, I actually finally just did go to sleep. I'm like, man, I'm just sitting here forever. And I look around that room, and all those people, what are they trying to find? Peace. In fact, even in this book that I'm, that I'm reading right now, um, he talks about going to a place near there, to a retreat center, and trying to find that place of silence for several days, some guru that's going to teach you how to find peace. You know, I was around Vino a whole lot. 
You know what I didn't see? Peace. Peace isn't found. All those things that we do to try to go chase it, even to that degree, it's not found there. It's only found in one place, the Prince of Peace. And so when we place our minds, not empty our minds, but place our minds on him and let our minds stay there because he's trustworthy, we have peace. The other verse later in uh, Isaiah 26, verse 12, says, O Lord, you will ordain peace for us, for you have indeed done for us all our works. Let's just think about that for a second. Isn't that kind of a crazy statement? You have indeed done for us all our works. This recognition that, that there's... These things that God does that are beyond us, it's like we didn't do it, you did it. Oh, Lord, our God, there are lords, uh, other lords besides you have ruled over us, but your name alone we bring to remembrance. He has ordained peace by the work of his hands, not ours. So there's two different things going here. There's, there's our mind, right? Like where, where are, is the focus of our mind? So when there's anxiousness and worry and fret and all of those things, the question is, are you going to continue to spin on that? Or are you going to let your mind be stayed upon him and his sufficiency? And then there's the action of our hands, which Charlie uh, uh, opened this up last week. You know, he gave the starfish illustration from the uh, cross stitch. So I figured I would go ahead and follow up with one as well. When Terry and I started dating in her family's house, uh, restroom, there was uh, the serenity prayer. And still, when we go down there, it's still there, the serenity prayer. Anybody know the serenity prayer? It's a really good one. Uh, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Well, so he has ordained peace because there's things that that he does that are outside of our control. And we need to be able to, the things that we can impact, but there's some things that we fret and worry about and we try to fix and do that are, they're, they're God things. They're hard because they're impossible. <laughs> they're not possible for us. Namely, being in a right relationship with a holy God. It's over there. Y'all, we are broken and sinful. and. They, it's over there. This is something that God does. That's what Jesus came to do to give us life, to do the thing that's impossible for us to do on our own, to make us clean, to take the penalty of our sin upon himself. That's a, that's a God thing that we place faith in, that we trust in, that we lean on, that we look to him for. And you try to do that on your own, you want to talk about a life that's, that lacks peace and joy? Yeah, you try to do that on your own. It's not a, it's not a you thing. That's a him thing. What other things? That's the gospel. But what other things in life are that way? They're on that side. They're in his bucket. And we need to recognize this is a God thing. And so I look to him to do for us, <laughs> do, do for us all our works. The thing that he does that only he can do. I tell you what, if you believe that and you've got things in that bucket, those are the people that pray. Because they recognize <laughs> 
I'm not going to fret and worry and spin and toil. I'm going to look at it and recognize that that's a God thing. And so I'm going to ask him to do it, and I'm going to ask him to do it, and I'm going to believe that he'll do it. And then when I see him do it, I'm going to thank him for doing it. And then the next thing that comes along, I'm going to build faith for the next thing that I'm going to ask him to do because I know it's, it's, in, his, it's in his bucket. Um, since I've been talking about this anyway, I'll just go ahead. That's one of the things for me. Uh, I had somebody not too long ago ask me, why do I, how do I believe that there is a God and that he does exist and that he does involve the affairs of, of mankind and in, in my life? Have you ever seen evidence of it? And I tell you, one for sure is the fact that, that our family moved overseas. Because what happened to us, Terry and I got married, uh, that was nowhere in our picture. I was going to be a football coach. She was going to be an elementary school teacher. And, uh, and we had our, our white picket fence and plan laid out. And then I met this guy, and he started talking about Jesus and teaching me how to study the Bible. And then I realized there were places on the planet that people didn't, had never really heard of Jesus. And then he took me on a trip to one of those places. And then when I came back, I'm like, girl, we going. And she said, you can. And for the next seven years, we fought about it all the time. Because I was convinced that that's what God wanted for us. She was convinced that that was not what God wanted for us. I used every tool in my tool belt uh, to try to convince her. You know, I shamed her. I got mad. Uh, I, I did all the things that husbands do to try to convince wives to do the whatever they want to do. And guess what happened? It didn't move forward. It went backwards on me. It blew up. It, it about completely blew up. I mean, we were, we were on the edge of things. The whole thing just breaking. And then I had somebody say, Jess, maybe you should pray. I thought, oh, that's a neat idea. <laughs> maybe, maybe God changes hearts. Maybe God unites marriages. Maybe, maybe that's a God thing. Maybe that's not a Mark thing. Maybe, Mark, maybe Mark's not strong enough to, to cause that to happen. And so I did. And y'all, you won't believe this. I started praying and stopped doing that. And she walked in one day and said, hey, let's, let's take a trip and see if that might be part of what God wants for us. Like, her heart had changed. Her, her heart had changed. Now, that built faith in me for the next thing that comes along that I recognize. And, man, i be honest with me, my, my kids. Like, there's a, an amount that I can parent. And then there's an amount that's outside of that. Uh, Brennan turned 16 today. And he's going he's to be driving without me in the car. I could, I, I mean, I could control a little bit. When I was in the car, you know, hey, watch out for that. I'm not going to be in the car now. Guess where that is? That's over there. Because I can't, who can be? Jesus can be there. <laughs> I can ask him to protect him. But I can't be there anymore. There's a limit. I'm just a person. And so recognizing that and then believing, you know what? He, not, he can be there. He will be there. And I trust him to take care of my kid. That's, that's peace. To close my eyes at night. And he's still out on the road and have peace because I know it. Um, talking about Brennan, just, uh, just a picture here. When we, we moved overseas, Brennan was two. And we were in a lot of really chaotic places with people coming, you know, going and going and all kinds of craziness. And he was two. He didn't realize how crazy things were. He, uh, he didn't realize how dangerous we were, we were places we were at times. In all of those pictures, guess where Brennan is? He's on daddy's shoulders. We also have one of those backpacks. Sometimes he's in the backpack. 
But in nearly every single picture, little Brennan, he's got a smile on his face. He's sitting up on daddy's shoulders in some chaotic <laughs> mess at peace. Y'all, that's what the Prince of Peace invites us to. To walk through life on daddy's shoulders, trusting that he's good, trusting that he'll protect us, trusting that he's got things under control, trusting that he's not just, he doesn't just have peace, he is the Sar Shalom. He's the Prince of Peace. And this Jesus that we celebrate, he came to earth to bring it. Y'all, and that's something to celebrate. So I just want to ask you this morning, just the gut, honest question, do you believe any of the things I just said? This wasn't a complicated message this morning, but do, I mean, and I probably said things that you already thought, but do you, do you believe it, though? Like, do you really believe peace is possible? Because there is one who has it and who brought it and who wants to bring it into your world, your internal world, your relationships with people, the world, <laughs> that he's that powerful and he's that big and he can do it. Enough that you would actually let your mind stayed on him. Enough that you would actually look at the things in your life, know, recognize what's in his, and, and give it to him, and, and, and let him have it, and trust him. Do you believe it that much? Let me, let me pray that we would. Father,